Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House app. Come on. You know, for the last couple of weeks, I've just felt, you know, in my spirit that it's super important to not endure worship but to allow worship and this opportunity to begin to set the environment of what God wants to do in your life. God understands our personalities. And there are natural problem solvers in the room just like there are natural people who are excited in the room. And and God created us all uniquely designed to accomplish the assignments on our life. But for all of us, there is a sacrifice of praise that has to happen. Because if we only praise when we feel like it, then what we are saying without saying it Y'all ever know people who say things without saying it? Come on, anybody know any passive-aggressive people that make a lot of comments and they want to say something? And you're like, what are you trying to say? And they're, oh, no, no, I'm not saying anything. Well, it sounds like it. You sound like you say it a lot. Sometimes I have to check some people because I'm like, you know. Here's the thing. Sometimes if we're not careful, what we will be saying but not saying is that, God, I'll worship you when I feel like it. You know what I'm saying? And, and here's the deal. Feelings are a huge part of our, our faith. But they're not the driver. They're the passenger. And so, so the service starts when you get out of your car and you walk up. The service doesn't start now. Well, I just came for the Word. I know, but you need a little moment in His presence because the Word can't get into hard ground. You hear what I'm saying? That you have to always ready, you have to ready the environment and you have to till the ground to plant the seeds so that something will grow. And here's the thing, you believe that the work that you're doing now is to get the seed in so that something can grow later. There's not an instantaneous return on the seed. And so everything that you're doing today is for something that will benefit you six months down the road. So don't miss opportunities. When we come into worship, come on, ask yourself these questions. Why am I focused on what everybody's doing in the room? And challenge yourself. Come on, why am I going through this, the motions? And there are times in worship, come on, that I've, I've been in worship and I haven't even sung. And then I'll catch myself and go, what, what, what are you doing? And, and, and I'm thinking about God. But, but come on, worship is a part of it. God asked for it. Like, God asked for it. Like, like it is some, it's, like, it's like a parent asking their child to do something, but the child doesn't necessarily like it. They don't want to clean their room. That's not on their top agenda. 
But when they do it, there's a reason. And when we worship and we lift our hands and we praise, even at home, online, when you begin to worship the Lord, listen, that's the sign that you are having spiritual health. And that spiritual health will lead to emotional health and emotional health will lead to, come on, like, like it all starts with who you serve. It all starts there. And so I just want you to know that we, the house, will be a culture of worshipers. That we're going we're to sing out loud. And so, listen, God is never offended. Help me, Kev. I, this, this, the house is never offended. God is never offended, listen, when you're off key. And there's some of you, you let's just be honest, that ain't your gift. We're going to say that ain't your gift. You start singing and you like, you're like, I hope the person next to me is not visiting church today. Because if I start singing, they probably are leaving. But God isn't after tone. He's after heart. You hear what I'm saying? He's after your heart. And he's like, oh, go on. Get. Wait, that, that ain't even on a key. But, but, I, but I love it. Like, that, ain't even, that, even, that ain't even a note. But we're good because it, it's worship. And we want to be a church that worships because we believe that what you do in the first part is how we ready the second part. Father, we thank you for all that you're going to do in this place. Father, we thank you that as you are ministering, we, Holy Spirit, we believe that you're actively present right now. It's like you're actively present right now. And, and you know the week everybody's had, and I'm asking that you help people begin to be excited about the possibility of what their future holds in Jesus' name. Come on, and everybody said, amen, amen. Come on, give the Lord another hand clap. Man, I'm glad that you're here. Over the last couple weeks, we have been in a series called uh, Never Going Back, Never Going Back. And really, this, as we've been moving through the building, the building is, we, we go time. It, it is go time. Things are happening. Uh, we are hoping that we get the permit, come on, this week. So if you want to pray for that, uh, you can be putting that on your prayer list. But we are using the story of Exodus chapter 14. We know that God wanted uh, to move his people from bondage. He wanted to deliver them and move them into a place that he had for them. In other words, that God had a future for his people. And we've spent a lot of time unpacking Exodus chapter 14 and walking through different segments of verses. And we're going to go there here in just a second. But, but, God wanted his people free from the rule of oppression and Pharaoh. We believe that God had more space and more room, and God wanted more for, come on, his people. But in order to do that, you've got to be willing to move. A lot of people aren't willing to move. Like God is going to speak to you, and God is so patient. Come on, God is so patient. How many of you have ever thought, well, if I was God, well, we're glad you're not. We're glad you're not because the whole thing would have been burned up. Come on, does that make sense? Like, like I'm glad I'm not, and I'm glad you're not. <laughs> but God has a lot of patience, and he will wait on us. 
But ultimately, to get where God has us is we've got to be willing to move. We've got to be willing to face uncertainty. And we've got to walk this road by faith. You're not going to get there by faith. You're not going to get there without faith. You, you have to have faith because um, if you base all of the choices that you make in your life off of the assurances of logic, fact, and what you can see, then you're actually not going to go a lot of places and you're not going to end up where God has for you because you're going to be limited, come on, help me, to what you can control or what other people can control around you. And God is saying, look, 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 I've got a journey for you and I'm delivering you and I'm moving you forward, but you're going to have to have faith, listen, in me. We are starting to work on this new building. And like I said, it's go time. Eric, uh, Katie, and I were walking around the new building. We were talking about all the possibilities, possibilities that could happen. And the, when we're done with this building, it's going to be way more functional than it was, and it's going to look better. And I believe that, that we've been using the building as a type and shadow for our faith. And I believe that when you begin to let the Holy Spirit come into your life and tear down old things and build new things that you actually become a more functional believer, okay, and that you look better. I'm not talking about the external. I'm, I'm talking about spiritually when you're in health and you're growing the fruits of the Spirit in your life, then that is what people would, that's what attracts people to you. Okay, we all know people that their personality repels and we all know people that the personality att attracts and when the fruits of the spirit are evident, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, like that's someone you want to have coffee with. Like when you're, when, you're, when you're operating in that kind of flow, I'm like, hey, let's hang out. But when you're the other ones, <laughs> negative, anger, mad, <laughs> you're like, uh, let's talk later. Oh, well, when? Uh, maybe the day after never. Yeah, but like, like, it's, like there are people that you want to engage with and there are people that you don't. And, and today, as we look through this, I really want to challenge you to look toward the future. Look toward the future. Like, we, I don't know if you're captivated by movies about the future. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Well, I remember when I was... Uh, a teenager back to the future and it was it was we went back we went middle we went forward we were going all over the place and it was exciting and, and and how do we get excited in our faith about moving toward the future with all of the uncertainty that we see you know i was talking to a guy the other day and he was like i don't know how you can be excited about the future and i was like well <laughs> let me tell you and and, I, and he began to kind of give me his list that we all know well, I mean, every day there's another rumor of another war. That's not exciting. You know, what about the, we have deception in the highest forms of government. Prices are going up, which is adding stress to, you know, to people's lives. Uh, people are more mesmerized by the phone. And it's funny, it's that people, we now wear a badge of honor. And if you don't say you're busy at least three times a day, you're not doing anything. Because, you know, we value busyness. And so you'll hear yourself, oh, I'm just so busy. Oh, all right, you must be a man. Oh, I'm just so busy. Oh, you must be a woman. Whoa, you're busy. Oh, huh, busy. Like that's a badge of honor now. And what's crazy is when you look at everybody's screen time, it's like 
six hours a day, eight hours a day on screen time. I'm so busy. I'm taking anxiety medication because I have no time, but I've been on my phone for nine hours. It's crazy. It's crazy. Some of y'all are like, that was too personal. Um, be, people are, feel like they have no time. Like they literally live every day thinking, I need more time. And God's like, I gave you 24 hours. And, and I believe God's up there going, if I had given you 28, you'd have been like, I need more time. You know what I'm saying? Like it creates, the, the, there is no margin in our life. And we just, we just take it all the way to the end. Our society, I don't know if you've felt like it, but our society is mean. Like people mean. They just mean. Years ago, it, they thought it. But now they're going to tell you. Now they feel compelled to tell you. If I don't tell you, I'm lying to myself. I need to tell you everything I'm thinking. And we're like, please don't. Please don't. Come on. So how can you be excited about the future when all of this has happened? Uh, you know, I, I hear people talking and, uh, you know, or, or see a post or read something. And people are like, you know what? We really wanted kids, but now look what, we're, look what they're going into. And then, you know, you know, maybe we're going to make it out okay, but what about our kids' kids? And, and we begin to think about the future, and, and, and sometimes the future um, in a season of our lives doesn't look that great. And so how does a believer have hope believing that the future is actually something that we want to be a part of rather than disengage and walk away? And here's what the Bible says in John chapter 14, verse 18. It says this, and I want, I want you to see this. John chapter 14, verse 18. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Okay. In other words, God is in the future. He's coming to us. We're going to him, and even though we may feel moments of abandonment, moments of rejection, maybe we are walking through the hard or the times of scary or the threshold of scary, what I need you to know is that God has not left us, and God wants us to continue moving forward, believing that our future can be bright, effective, good, purposeful, like our future can still be something that begins to not only help you, not only your family, but your, the next generation. Come on. As we look at this, it is very easy to see that God has a plan. God has a plan. Now, can I just tell you, um, we're, we're talking about the children of Israel, and specifically in Exodus chapter 14, it is the deliverance portion of the story. So before that, you have the, the, the ten plagues. Now we are in where God is actually delivering them. And this whole process is Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, our people need to worship. We've been in bondage too long. We're not teaching the customs. Let us go leave and worship, and we're going to offer worship to our God. And so they give him money. They say, go ahead and go out. It's a big course of events, but they finally go out. They get to worship, and the word comes back to Pharaoh, right? And he finds out that they're keeping moving. And he's like, well, what's going on? That wasn't our agreement. So he takes his 600 chariots. He takes his army, his boys, his people, and they roll out, and they're going to get their people back. And so God's people finds themselves up against the sea. Pharaoh is coming toward them, and they are now 
frightened. They are scared. They have no idea what is going to happen. And we talked about last week that God sees what you don't see. And then God will create a path and a way that you may not have thought was a possibility. And so God begins to split the sea. The children of Israel go through. And then we read the portion last week where the Pharaoh chases them. And they get stuck, and the water covers Pharaoh. And we're going to pick up in that portion. Okay, let's look at this. Exodus chapter um, 14, verse 29, and let's look at this. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, the water being a wall to them on the right hand and the left. Thus the Lord saved Israel. The Lord saved. Everybody say saved. Come on. The Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. Come on, let me just stop for a second. We're going to leave that verse up there. But let me just tell you this. Online here, we have all been in a moment where we felt like the hand of something was pulling us, grabbing us, tearing us apart. Come on, that hand on you where you tried to break free, but there was a hand. I, I don't know how to tell you. God uses a physical description of a hand, even though in this moment, Pharaoh wasn't grabbing the million people, but it, it was a, a, an illustration that Pharaoh was governing, controlling. Come on, does that make sense? He had his hand on the people. And I'm asking you, what hand, what, what is over you and on you that you are constantly trying to break free from that God wants to deliver you from because we need to know that the hands that try to control your life can be severed and you can be saved. Come on, come on. Y'all help me. That's good. Put your hands together. Come on, listen. Let me just say this. Let me say this, y'all, y'all, let me, let me dive into this. Even online and here, I want to make sure I'm not trying to impress you. This ain't a show. It's a conversation. You hear what I'm saying? This ain't a show. A show is something you pay for. You know what I'm saying? So let, let y'all help me. Because I don't want to treat this like a show because then we do. Then I'll sell tickets when we come in and I'll look real close at everybody who's tithing. You hear what I'm saying? Don't, don't treat our worship, the pastors, or people, come on, listen, like you entertain me and maybe I'll hear something. I am just a donkey. You have to know the scripture to know. A donkey was used by God. And so sometimes the donkey's really, really good. And sometimes the donkey's not. But it is your job to take what God is giving and never zone out to the point where the word is coming forth. And come on, listen, you're enduring it. Come on, we want to see people come to the table and eat. You hear what I'm saying? And so as we begin to talk about this, here is my here here is some of my takeaways for this today. What does God have in store for you? What is your future? What's in store for you? And some of you, maybe you haven't thought about it in a long, long time because you know what? Hey, hey, I, I've been so 
struggling and it's been so hard and I've been the hand of the thing that has grabbed me has kept me so long that I haven't really contemplated my future because I'm just trying to get away from the hand that's on me. And we're going to look today in uh, Exodus chapter 14, uh, 29. I'm going to go back there real quick. Exodus 29, look at this. And the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and, the Isra- and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. No, 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 no. I need to put you in this verse. These are the people that for held the children of Israel in bondage. Come on, as a parent, you want to know the hardest thing for a parent to deal with is when your teenagers or your kids come to you and they begin to tell you about how other kids treated them. Come on, is that not one of the hardest things to deal with? Because you're like, oh, let me go. Let, oh, okay, hold up. Let me, let me I ain't a pastor today. Let's, let's go handle some bit. You know, like, like you want to fight people for hurting. Come on, does that make sense? And you have to know that generations, when these kids, these young people, these adults, these moms, these dads saw the Egyptians, they flinched. 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 And now they've seen the hand of God, and all over the shore are bodies. I mean, you think people started crying? You think, I mean, sure, maybe some of them started yelling and, and excited, but, but I, I think that that moment was probably more surreal than we think. And then you're walking around, and you're seeing all of the things that you were scared about laying before your feet. And, and you're looking at your wife, and you're looking at your kids, and, and your kids start, you know, because kids say uh, uh, sometimes the most profound things in the, in the weirdest moments, and they're like, does this mean they're not coming after us? And, I mean, just like, you know, like, and all of a sudden, the revelation of the fact that this is not coming after you anymore. As awesome as that moment was, I I need to suggest something to you, is I believe that God is such the God of use, come on online, that God is such the God of use that God never gives something without a future plan for it. Now this text doesn't say that, but we can, based on other texts, we can understand that when God created Adam and Eve and put them in the garden and he said to multiply, it, it, it was just... Uh, it, there was this idea that there was going to be a future in that moment. Does that make sense? Like, God didn't say, hey, future is coming and here's what it's going to look like. But there was this idea that if man and woman come together and you're able to be obedient, then there's going to be a future. Does that make sense? And, and I think that a lot of times we don't put our faith in the Lord because we want to figure out how it's going to all work. Come on, and let's just be honest. Some of you are super detailed people, and you have a schedule, and you know how your day flows. But can we just take five seconds, and, and, and sometimes we, we want God to tell us. God, just tell us who we're going to marry. Just tell us how many kids we're going to, just tell me what my kids are going to be like. Just, just tell me. And I think God's up there going, no, 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 no. If I told you, I would blow your mind. Like, you can't handle it. Let's just be honest. How many of you, your anxiety goes up when you hear a plan? about things that you're not sure you can control and all of a sudden your heart starts racing all right y'all aren't with me 
How many of you get frustrated when you go to the DMV and have to wait in line and there's a process and you only have this much time and you're number 172 and come on, you hear what I'm saying? Like, like you're just like, oh my gosh, this is so inefficient. Why are they doing? What are they doing? You don't need to talk. And then come on, if you've been there a long time, you're like, that's not an important discussion because that's not about a driver's license. You need to be quiet and move them on. Call the thing. You know, like you're thinking all the... And this is just to get your tags on your car. And we're frustrated that God's not telling us more. And, we're, and, and God's like, okay, if you want more, I'm going to do this. I'm going to have these people. These people are going to grow. They're going to experience some battles. They're going to lose some people. These all people are going to die. These people are going to grow. Then we're going to have King David. David's going to do this. And then out of David, he's going to have a really messed up life, but he's also going to be anointed. And then I'm going to do this, and I'm going to promote him here. And then we're going to figure out all this and have a lot of territory and bring all the kingdoms and destroy all the giants. And then I'm going to produce Jesus. What do you want to talk about? <laughs> Your mind just blew up. Because you're just like, how in the world? What's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? And God's like, I don't need you to know that. I just need you to take a step of faith. I just need you to take a step of faith. I just need you to take a step of faith. And I need you to trust me. Come on. Because you're trying to say, I will trust you more if you tell me more. But God is saying, if I tell you, you will take more anxiety medications than you're taking now. Because you want to know how and all I'm telling you is just step by faith. Just take a step. Come on, listen. By faith. For us, it is super important that we don't just pass over the fact that Israel was, listen, saved. You are in this room because you are either seeking or you've been saved. So here's the deal. As we begin to read this, and we're going to finish this. Let me, let me finish this real quick because I, I want to pull out a thought here. Israel saw... Verse 31, Israel saw the great power of the Lord against the Egyptians, so the people feared. Everybody say fear. They feared the Lord. Okay, this is, I'm, I'm not talking about Freddy Cougar. I'm not talking about being scared. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking about reverence, honor, awe. Okay? They feared the Lord, and they believed. They believed. Everybody say believe. They believed in the Lord, and and who the Lord sent. They believed in Moses. And so here's the thing. For us to move forward and, and do all the things that God has called for us. So, so here, here's, the th here's the thought. Many times in our Christian life, it is like rowing down the river. And we're moving forward as long as we are rowing. But as soon as we take our hands off, come on, does that make it? We stop rowing then what happens is the current life and its problems begin to take us back. And so you could actually be in a season of growth and win incredible victory and be on the verge of the land flowing of milk and honey in one moment. And after that moment is over, you think, oh, I did it. I did it. We did it. Pharaoh's dead. We did it. I remember when we moved into this building. <laughs> it was a couple of years ago. 
and uh, we moved into this building, and it was an awesome day. We had moving day. We did all the graphics. It was moving day, moving day, and so everybody brought their trucks and their trailers, and we cleaned, and we cleaned this whole building from top to bottom. We moved everything in. It took us like two or three days to just get it all fixed, and man, that next service, we were blowing. I mean, the, we were shouting praises to heaven. The walls were shaking. You know what I mean? It was just an awesome moment. And I think that in so many people's lives, they have an incredible breakthrough moment where the hand that was holding them is now off of them. And they're winning and they have an incredible victory. But do you know what? There were so many lessons that we learned in the last two and a half years moving into this building. We went through COVID in this building. Come on. Listen, we went through conversations that the nation was having in this building. We went through, and so here's what I'm telling you is, we've got to look toward the future, and I want to give you three things that I think are really important, and, and here is uh, the thought for today. The thought, the thought for today as we finish up this series, um, two weeks ago, we talked about three reasons never to go back. The first one was dismiss the idea that it was better back where you started. Last week, we talked about consider all that God has done for you to move forward. And today, here's the thought that we're going to unpack. I need you to look forward to all the possibilities that are waiting for you. What is waiting for you? What's possible? What is God doing? Because God wouldn't save them for nothing else to happen. And God wouldn't have intervened in that moment. Put that country song on at the right time for it to hit your heart, for you begin to move. Because here's what God does. He speaks in that still, small voice. And all of a sudden, that little voice that won't go away, you, you need to give up this offense. You, you, you need to break this. You, need, you know what? You're addicted to this medication. You're not moving. You're, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit begins to speak to you. Speak to you speak to you because he has a journey of deliverance for you and I need you to see what is all in front of you like did the children of Israel when they're looking at the bodies were they just praising God that the hand was off of them but did they contemplate all that was before them they were leaving as slaves and they were becoming a nation and were they so fixated on this miracle, miraculous moment that they never stopped to consider what's going to happen in the next 30 years? What's going to happen in the next 40 years? The decisions that I'm making today, how will that affect my family? What is God doing? Come on, did you hear what I'm saying? And so when we come into worship and we come into this moment, we come motivated not because you like church. Not because the house has a great marketing strategy. You come to church because there was a moment that God saved you and, you, and the world wants to stifle that. It wants to make you forget that. It wants to take out that flame. And on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, even though you can do prayer by yourself and church is not a building and I get all that, but sometimes as a congregation of people, we need to be reminded I've been saved. God's got something on my life. And your boss may overlook you. Your kids may have a moment of conflict with you. Jobs may get bid and underdelivered. Things may 
they happen, and it's very easy for us to drift, come on, listen, in this life. And here's what I've seen now in 25 years of ministry. When we forget that we've been saved and we make the miraculous event common. See, it wasn't common when you were 16 years old and you went on that mission trip. It wasn't common when you had a moment at the altar. It wasn't common when someone laid their hands on you and prayed for you and all of a sudden. It wasn't common when that boss came in and began to speak life over you and you were going through a really hard time. That, none of that was common. God was saving you and he was releasing that hand that had you off of you. And it is your job, listen, to remember that. And that's why we see church coming to church every Sunday as important, not just, well, if we feel like it. Because here's what I have seen in 25 years of ministry. When we model occasional, our kids turn it into optional. And when our kids grow up optional, their kids overlook it. Come on, listen to what I'm saying. This is what happens because everything that we do today, now say with the concept, think about this. Everything we plant today grows something for tomorrow. The decisions we do today affect tomorrow. Come on, where I'm at, and, and, and as a, a believer who's been saved many, many times from brokenness, abandonment, addiction, rejection, all of the th scars and things in my life, I feel like I'm on a journey and God's continuing to deliver me, and it is for me, but it is also for the next generation. I got four kids, and I want them healthier than I am. And then they're going to have four kids, or maybe more. You know what I'm saying? Oh, Lord. Whew. Four and two, and that's a lot. All right. <laughs> come on. Come on. Listen to what I'm saying. And so you making it. Overcoming occasional, not allowing optional, not just overlooking it, but realizing that you have a future. And I want to give you three thoughts as we wrap up today that I think will help you. When we think about all the possibilities for the future, I need you to know this as a believer. God rules the future. God rules the future. Come on, listen. The GOP, the progressives. Liberals, libertarians, God rules the future. God rules the future. And it doesn't matter what happens in our society. The Bible says that the, that, that the righteous will never be forsaken. Come on, somebody. And that God is going to do what God's going to do. And it is our job to look toward the future and know that God is the one who rules the future. He rules it. He's outside of time and he's not pacing. God doesn't do the pacing. God doesn't do the stress talk. Come on, anybody know about stress talk? What? God, when you pray, God doesn't stress talk your prayer. He doesn't, what do you want now? God, I'm just, there's a lot of people here. They're all praying at one time. For real, I don't know how God does it. Uh, can I just talk for a moment? When four people talk to me at one time, I'm about to lose it. Uh, can I just be on it? I'm like, ah! I'm like, can y'all go in order, please? Line up. Ask your question. Your father will answer. You know what I'm saying? But, but I'm like, everybody pray. And he's like, I have peace. Come on. 
Like God is the God of the future and we cannot let fear come into our life because of what is happening in culture. I don't know how God's going to do it. And my, my, I may be backed up to the sea, but I know God's not off the throne. He rules the future. He'll part the sea. And I've got to remember I've been saved and he's going to save me. Come on. I have no idea. Here's another thing, and you're probably not going to clap on this point, but it's okay. Um, we're thinking about the possibilities. So God rules the future. Everything that God does in your life, you have to know that, that God sees every revelation, every spiritual Holy Spirit revelation that he's given you is never for you. It's always for the people that come through you. When God sees you, he sees everybody that you've ever affected and everybody that you're going to affect. Okay? When God looks at me, he sees all of the generations that are coming through me. You understand that? Because God is outside of time and he knows the choices that they make and the choice and he'll know and he he knows. Okay, you hear you, you following this thought? Okay. So when God gives me a revelation, I've got to implant this into my life and then begin to teach it. And I don't want the enemy to steal it. So the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's trying to steal the revelation that God has given me so that it doesn't pass on to future generations. Come on, help me. Okay. Part of the super exciting possibilities of the future is God is the one that rules the future. But in the future, guess what we get to do? We get to be refined. That means we get to be more like Jesus. Come on, somebody. The longer we have, the more he's going to refine us. And this is a term that is used in the Bible. And they would refine gold and silver. And what they would do is they would melt it out. And they would take out the impurities so that this would be pure. And here's what I'm saying. The longer you have, the more you have God refine me. Move out the stuff. Move out the junk. Help me do what you call me to do. Help my background, the things that held me, not hold me up from what you have. Come on, listen, for me. Is this good? Like I said, when we moved into this building, I had no idea the refining that was going to take place in the next two years. I started with my family. We started the church because we love God, but I wasn't a pastor. When I came to this building, I became a pastor. God's refining your life. And here's what I'm saying. That's why you have to keep going. And that's why you have to keep saying yes. And you have to keep letting him work it out. Come on, listen, listen, listen. Because God is refining something. Because he knows where you're going. And he knows if you'll take this step, these other people will take that step. And God knows what, you hear what I'm saying? And you've got to let him keep refining you. Listen, you can't be 35 and have all the opinions made up. And you got all life figured out. And now you're picking church and people and whatever based on the opinions that you have. When you're 30, because I'm 46 now, and there's a lot of things I still believe, but there's a countless things that I've changed over the last 10 years. Over the last five years, my, the way I see life, 
certain struggles, the way God's moving in my life and the humanity and compassion and part of all of this has changed and God wants us still to be refined. And can I just tell you that our church won't move forward to where God has it to be if pride is in the seat and we all of our people feel like we know it all. No, no, no. God, there's a lot that I know and I'm not scared about what I know. But I know there's other things they've got to purge from me that you want to take from me. And you don't want to fix me because I'm broken. You want to heal me because you see me as effective. Come on, does that make sense? That was the issue with the woman. Come on, listen. Who was about to be stoned in John there was a lady that was about to be stoned. She, the, the religious people brought her in. And if you go back and read that, I don't have time. But they, they, in the beginning of the text, it says that they found a woman and they wanted to trap Jesus, right? Because the, Moses' law said, if you find a woman who's caught in adultery, you have to stone her. It's very interesting that this woman went from being used by men to use by the religious, but she was still used as a ploy to trap Jesus. Hear what I'm saying? And here's what he says. I'm just going to the end. He writes in the ground, and he says, he was without sin, cast the first stone. And everybody lays down their rock, and they leave. And here's what his response to her. Hey, where are your accusers? And she's like, I have none. And he said, neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. And here is what I believe happened. I believe that Jesus was having a transaction with this woman. And he was saving her from the debt that she owed. Because she owed it. She did sin. He acknowledged that. And he was like, yo, this type of sin is going to end you up in places that you don't want to be. But let me take the hand off of you so that I can begin to move you forward. Because sin will hurt your future, and I care about your future. Come on, does this make sense? We got to let him keep refining us. Come on, that's why you got to stay in life group. That's why you got to keep tithing. That's why you keep doing because God's refining me. God's refining me. Where I am at the end of 2021, I want to be somewhere different by the end of 2022. I'm on a mission. I'm on an assignment. God freed me for a purpose. I'm moving somewhere. God's doing something in my life. And I want to end my life looking at the goodness of God that every time I stepped, he was faithful. Every time I took another move, he was there. Come on, do you hear what I'm saying? I don't want all the great things that God's doing in my life to happen by 30. I think this is the exciting part for me as we end. Ben, y'all can come up. So we've talked about that God is the ruler of the future. We've talked about that, that as we progress in the future, he gets to refine us. And here's the last part that I want to give you that I think is super important. Is God rewards those who keep moving. Like, there is a reward to this. Like, you're, you're, I don't want you to ever be in church and go, what am I doing? You're pressing on. And some of us have real battles to fight. And nobody will ever know all that you're fighting. But here's what Paul said. Philippians chapter 3, 13 and 14. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. 
made it my own. What, what is he saying? So here's what I need you to know about this verse, and we're going back and read it. Paul is older. This is his last letter in the Roman jail. He's not young anymore. And he's in his cell, and he's writing. And he's saying, hey, I appreciate that you guys look up to me, and I appreciate you that, like you read my letters because that's better than throwing them away. And, 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 and I appreciate that you want information from me. But, but I, in this jail cell, in the coldness, with my mind racing, Yo, I, I'm not perfected yet. I haven't finished it yet. There's still some things in me that I don't like and that I don't want. And I believe that God's still moving in me. And so I'm not writing about all of my victories. I'm writing about the future of the church and where we're going and what we're doing. Come on, you hear what I'm saying? And Paul understood that if I keep going, that there will be these rewards. And you're not just aimlessly going to church. You're not just sitting in another service, hearing another lecture. Here's what Paul says. But I do not consider that I've made it my own. But the one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind the good and the bad, the great moments, the horrible moments, and straining forward. Listen, straining. In other words, there is tension in moving forward. And I got to strain a little bit. Don't ever let people teach you the doctrine that Christians don't strain. Come on, listen to what I'm saying. We do not make things happen ourselves. But there is a natural tension when you're lifting weights that God doesn't take off the weight so you can lift it. He says, I believe you can lift it. I'm not going to give you more than you can carry, but I'm expecting it to get tight. Does that make sense? And so we're straining forward, and I don't want you to feel like you're not doing something right because it feels hard or it feels difficult or I'm straining in my faith or my, 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 the way I think. But I press on. Look at this. I press toward the goal. Everybody say goal. The prize of the upward call of Christ in Jesus. In other words, here's what he's saying. That there will be a day when I will be at the mercy feet of Jesus. The mercy seat. And I will kneel down and Jesus will come to me. And he will say, well done. Good and faithful servant enter into rest you've had your straining you've had your heart you've moved from here to here your whole life you've been faithfully doing it it didn't look pretty it was kind of it was two steps up one step back it wasn't perfect but you never quit and you believe that I had more for you and now I want you to enter into rest the heaviness is gone the yoke is over you can come in and I have rewards for you there's a table set before you there's things that you don't even know about and we're not just mindlessly moving through God is doing and working something come on give him some praise thank you for listening to this week's podcast we would love to hear how this message impacted you feel free to let us know on the contact us tab of the house website we hope you have a great week